I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 438 of the All Thing Nerdy podcast slash show slash webcast slash whatever you want to call us. Recorded live on Sunday, March 7th, 21. I am Chris. Do not have the full crew here today, though. We did mention that to you last week. One, Mr. Willie D. Nelson is away on vacation this week, so we, we could cut to him, but there, there's nothing there. So cutting to Willie's kind of pointless. But I can cut to my good friend, Mr. Anthony Bachman, who's here. Try the soup! <laughs> Those that know will know. I thought it, I thought we were trying to make some reference to Willie here that I wasn't getting, I'll be honest. No, it's coming to America. Uh, see, I've only ever watched it once, and it's been many, many years. Just taste the soup! Well, is the soup too cold? Is the soup too hot? You want to taste the soup? I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Fucking ah, 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 ah. Eddie Murphy as an old Jewish white guy is one of my favorite things in the world. And all the characters in the barbershop are motherfucking back and coming to America. Which is all you really need to know about whether or not you should watch it. That's, all the barbershop guys are back, so of course you should watch that's it. That's Amazon Prime exclusive, correct? So if you have yes. Prime Video, you can get it. And yeah, if you turn on Amazon Prime right now, basically the front homepage is Eddie Murphy coming to America. It's the banner is coming to America. The all the all the little videos are coming to America. They're making of coming to America. It's the original coming to America. It's shit about coming to America. It's it's the coming to America page right now. It's awesome. So did Amazon <laughs> actually do this one or was it another studio that did and Amazon bought the rights to it? I haven't no, really paid uh, a ton of attention. Yeah, I because I did watch like the first half of it. It does start out as uh, presented by Amazon Studios. Okay. So, yeah, Amazon put money into this. So yeah, Amazon threw some money at Eddie Murphy along with, you know, whoever uh, the actual, uh, who's the screenwriter? Because yeah, they got, because it's based on Eddie's characters, but uh, Barry Barry W. Blaustein is actually written for the story credit or story by, and then five more people are credited. Uh, David Sheffield, Justin Canoe, and then uh, three people on the screenplay are David Sheffield, Barry W. Blaustein, and Kenya Barris. Okay. So let me I mean, that was a legit question, though, because due to the nature of the pandemic and things like that, I'm sure there are other instances of streaming yeah. services, and we've seen it, trying to just buy the rights to a movie to put it on their streaming service right now because of the unknown future of when you'll be able to go to a movie theater indeed and yeah so two of them are writers that worked on uh nutty professor boomerang come to america uh so barry blaustein and uh uh david sheffield apparently have both worked with eddie on a bunch of different films and then uh kenya barris now that i see the picture of him i recognize it. yeah he's uh from he's the actor from uh blackish so he's been on blackish girls trip Black as fuck, grownish. So, nice. yeah, so that's the guy, the new guy joining the mix for on the writers and the the screenplay. Yeah, so Eddie didn't write the story this time, but I'm assuming he had probably a lot of input because it's fucking Eddie Murphy. And well, yeah, and uh, how much did they ad lib on set and stuff too? Exactly. I mean, I imagine and there yeah. was a fair deal of riffing going on. Yeah, and I mean, you got to figure also. I mean, just yeah, with the amount of the amount of comedians they had on set. Yeah, how much of it was actually written down in the script, and how much of it was them fucking around trying to get Eddie to laugh? Because let's be honest, yeah, I got to figure anybody on that set, especially these days. Your only goal is to get Eddie Murphy to laugh. If you can get that Eddie laugh, uh, 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 you're doing good. Well, I did see they got James Earl Jones back too, which yes. I was not sure if he'd come back because he's what in his mid 80s now, so he's probably just like I'm. I'm happy to be semi-retired. 
Well, and I'll be honest, the scene he does, he's semi-retired in the scenes too. They ain't even much walking around. Like they give him like the coziest position yeah. you could have in a movie. The majority of his scene is the majority of his scenes is done from a bed. He's nice. literally laid in a giant kingly bed. And yeah, like yeah, he's got like just just a little bit of white hair on top of his head. Like there's no like, you can tell like he'll, he James Earl Jones has gotten up there a little bit. There's also um his voice has a cameo in the movie. I'll I'll just say that, and when you hear it, it's fucking fantastic because it, it's a perfectly fitting thing. And yeah, there are some uh, there's some great guest stars in the very early part of the film, and then um yeah, some some uh some new bigger names pop up. You like if you wanted your life narrated, who would you ask to do it? If you, you know you had to have a news anchor from an African country on there, who would you have do that now? Like there's there's a couple of pretty full pretty cool cameos I've already seen. So to yeah, marry it, my life, Robert Downey Jr. could be fun. James Earl Jones, yeah. of course, is a ga- standby that everyone would probably say because his voice is so distinct. Morgan True, but Freeman. they use his for something else. Yeah, yeah, Morgan yeah. Freeman. I had I had to work my way down the path uh, to what would be another you, great. Why distinct they call you red? Voice. Probably because I'm Irish. <laughs> yeah, no. If you're gonna have somebody narrate your life, it's Morgan Freeman. It's Morgan, yeah. Freeman. Yeah. Morgan, Morgan Freeman shows up in Zamunda. I don't know, man. It'd be pretty fun if George Carlin narrated your life. That would be that would be the one for me. Yeah, I mean, I love Morgan Freeman, but yeah, I think Georgie Boy would be yeah. like the top of my George list. George Carlin narrating your life story would be pretty freaking hilarious. I, it's funny too because I was thinking about it, like going back to '88, like when they first did this movie, and Eddie Murphy created the country of Zamunda and created basically a paradise country that was a fantasy country in Africa. It really was like the first like public version of like a Wakanda of like a fantasy country in in Africa that like wasn't war torn. All the people like, you know, were were happy living the good life. And I'm just thinking it's like, how have I not seen a T-shirt yet of like either Prince or King Akeem saying, you know, Zamunda forever. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen that image yet. Well, now that you've mentioned it, there'll probably be uh, like six different variants of it up on Teespring or something like that later this afternoon. Yeah. I'm assuming we'll get them this week. But yeah, yeah. It's like I was as we were watching it last night, I was like, hmm, how have I not seen Zamunda forever? Like, <laughs> like that someone has to make that connection like real fast. Like, probably I can't believe I haven't seen it. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, the 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 list of I mean, if you want to be spoiled, go look at the list of just the people that are in this movie. And just like the original, like they went around Hollywood, you know, got basically probably everybody that might want to work with Eddie Murphy that were probably actually pounding down the door to get in on this film. Um, and yeah, like there's just there's some awesome you know cameos, just like in the original. And yeah, there's some there's some good shit. Yeah, I've only watched like the first half, of it, but it is super funny. And yeah, I mean, and John Landis directed. A, there's a segment from John Landis's original movie in this one, so he gets a directing credit, even though Craig Brewer directed this one. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so you still have technically John Landis directed film because when they do flashbacks in this movie, and it's and it's weird. I will tell you this: there is a flashback from the original nightclub scene in the movie where it's just direct video from the movie that I had just watched. So, like, I know it's the exact same video. But then they cut to an additional sequence, and they did the weird-ass CGI faces of our of young Arsenio and Eddie over two other actors, and in about half of it, it looks good. But there's, like, two or three scenes yeah. where they're turning their heads, and it looks deep fake, and, like, it, you can see, like, it's not meshing right, and it just looks weird, but it's, like... It's a fucking comedy. Like, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's tough to do, but for a comedy, I think you can be a bit more forgiving. Yes, exactly. And yeah, it's, you know, it's scenes of, you know, idiots, you know, when they were young in a nightclub doing stupid shit. But yeah, it's it's a super fun movie. Like, I'm I'm excited to watch the rest of it because, yeah, just it was just way fucking late last night. And we had already watched the originals like, 
it's been a long goddamn night. Oh, I'm tired. Right. But yeah. I mean, and yeah, the original has the first time that Sam Sam Jackson said fucker on screen. It wasn't motherfucker. It was just fucker. He hadn't grown into his full motherfucker yet. That's okay. He's there now, though. Yes. He's yes, quite he strong is. with the MFers. Samuel L. Jackson. The L stands for badass motherfucker. <laughs> well, I mean, we've told the story before. That was actually inscribed on his lightsaber as Mace Windu. BMF was inscribed on uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Which I think is pretty great. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome is that Nightcrawler's acronym, I mean, not acronym, but his sound effect when he teleports Bamf. is BAMF. Yeah. Badass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if you were here for the pre-show, folks, you did hear us mention that Willie's on vacation. We did introduce that to start the show. I bring that up because we have been teasing it for a couple <laughs> weeks now. Next week. is Willie on the beach? Nobody wants to see Willie on the beach. Nobody. And let's be it's honest, true. Willie's probably not on the beach. He's probably like in the house playing video games with people and consuming yeah. beverages of the adult variety because it's a house party. Yep. That being so said, hopefully he lives through the weekend. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for. He will be back next week, assuming he lives through the whole experience. Why I bring that up is we've teased it for a couple weeks now. It is the return of unprotected advice with Willie Nelson. It is arguably one of the more popular bits we've done because people actually ask us to bring it back in a, as opposed to for other bits where people ask us never to bring them back. So we are bringing back unprotected advice. We have gotten one submission through on Discord where a person DM me directly. We'll keep their screen name out of things to maintain anonymity. If you have suggestions for things for us to cover on unprotected advice or you have something you want Willie's advice on, please feel free to send it to me via Twitter message or DM. You can find me at the Chris Farrell on Twitter or you can go on over to geeks uh, gonna geek.com slash discord and go to the all things good nerdy channel and post it in there if for some reason you want to remain anonymous and that's fine too you can dm it to me directly or just make a burner account to send it to those things i guess too it's whatever works for you guys regardless we are bringing back unprotected advice next week and willie will give you his unfiltered personal advice based off things that have gone on in life and we like to joke and have fun here but willie does take this bit pretty seriously he'll make some jokes about the situation like that but i will give him credit his advice is serious he may crack a joke while making said advice but the joke but the advice he gives legit not for gags so it's kind of a fun segment yeah it is weird that it's the one thing he takes serious willie has to be the straight (laughs) man for once is what happens here the the rest of the time he's here making all the gags trying to get us off track in this segment you and i try and get him off track he does pretty good on track with that so next week the return of unprotected advice with Willie D. Nelson. But before we get to that, and before we get to the news, we should probably address the television elephant in the room, which is, hey, WandaVision ended this week. And I don't know if we want to go full spoiler or not, but I will say this. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed by some of the folks that then went online after it came out. They're like, oh, I'm so pissed we didn't get resolution on such and such and such and such and such and such. And I'm like, she were never promised it. I mean, we as yeah. fans had a lot of fun coming up with these what-if scenarios. Here's what these things mean. And theorizing, and I think theorizing is really fun. But the trade-off to theorizing, as people are realizing now, is that if you come up with these grandiose, great ideas of what could happen, and that's not what happens, then you end up feeling disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I think some people are feeling a little burned by that at the end of WandaVision. Personally, I'm not. I was fine if all of my grand theories didn't come to fruition, and I think almost all of them didn't, but I still had fun. I still think it told a good story about grief and how to overcome grief eventually, or at least acknowledge your own grief and move on. Yeah, no, it was solid. I think it was solid storytelling, damn good acting, some cool special effects. I mean, it, it's not on par with an MCU movie, but it's not a movie. It's a TV show. And so, like, we got episodic television told in an episodic way for a very specific story version or a story uh, story reasoning, 
Like the story made sense of why it was told as a television story, probably better than any story we're going to get as a, you know, a series on Disney plus like them having, you know, Wanda's dad sneaking in, you know, DVDs of, you know, sitcoms from America. And then like, that's where her subconscious goes to for her happy place. When she thinks of her family, like it fucking played out extremely well. The writing was super solid. I also enjoyed some of the sarcastic Twitter comments that I saw where people were legitimately upset about the fact that the Dick Van Dyke DVD box set wouldn't have been out in 1999 when the scenes in Sokovia were portrayed. And they go, but this is a world where Captain America exists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we can let go of the fact that in our like, world it took two years longer. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The, the release date on a DVD was wrong, but you're fine with the gamma irradiated <laughs> scientists that can knock down buildings. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. I, I sort of down people. It's I, comic book. I fully admit I'd be someone that would <laughs> notice that and I'd have a laugh about it, but I wouldn't actually be butthurt about it. Like some, there were some people that were legitimately like, oh, this is an oversight by Marvel. How could they do that? I'm like, give us a shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that would count as an oversight. It was literally like, hey, these are the shows we want to reference. These are the shows we're going to show. Because, yeah, I mean, it was part of the storyline. It worked. There was no reason, yeah, to be that, like, nitpicky. <laughs> well, I guess we can go light spoilers here. I did enjoy the fact that Paul Bettany had been teasing the fact he gets to work with an actor that he'd always yeah. been wanting to work with before, and we find out it's himself. And I was like, okay, that's that's really funny. I've kind of expected that, but I'd want it to be something yes. different because it would be fun. But I still had no problem with it. And then you sort of get his mindset, because I guess I saw some, he did some interviews after this last episode went out about how he was having a hard time with this scene where he's basically himself talking to himself. And yeah. he goes, I normally don't struggle with dialogue and I just couldn't get myself in the mindset. And he goes, then he realized I have to put myself in the mindset of one of these visions at a time. So yeah, he would only yeah, be one vision at a time versus trying to memorize all of the script for that entire yeah. scene. He would memorize it as say the WandaVision vision. And then he would do it as the original vision and do it that way. And he's like, and then it started to make sense to me. He goes, I just couldn't wrap my head around trying to be, both of those visions at the same time. And I'm paraphrasing here. He's much better yeah. at saying these Yeah, I would things. think, yeah, trying to do both at the same time as an actor would be almost impossible because they're very different, very, very different versions of the same character. Because, I mean, it is, it's vision and vision, but it's literally, it's the vision that Wanda created out of her heart of the guy she remembered and loved. And the other one is literally, at the start of the scene, an android with no memories. So that's on an attack mission, which, yeah, and, for those that have seen the meme and don't know what the hashtag is, ship of Theseus is the logical argument that the two visions have, which I love that this, this, you know, you have the giant brawl to save them all. You know, it's the big fight at the end of the superhero movie. Okay. So Wanda's taking on Agatha and they're just, you know, bitch slapping each other with magic across town. And at first the two visions are doing the same thing using their density and intangibility and blasting each other through walls and buildings and shit. And then it comes down to a logical argument because it's vision because he's a fucking ai makes perfect because sense. it's two computers arguing and yeah and like he's like oh my vision or my mission parameter is to kill the vision he's like well we have a uh, we have a logical problem in it and yeah and then they talk it out and they do the ship of theseus statement which is awesome which yeah for those that don't know it's the idea that if the ship of theseus was in a museum and as every floorboard rots out you replace it eventually you replace all the floorboards with new wood and so is the ship that's still in the museum still the ship of Theseus? Or if you take those old rotten floorboards and put them in a new ship along a new keel and rebuild a brand new ship, is that also now the ship of Theseus if you replace the boards one at a time? And yeah, it's it's a great logical argument. And the fact that it's two androids having the logical argument to figure out who is who and who's the real vision 
It's fucking fantastic. Well, and I can't wait to see, because this is next week we get their their version of Disney Gallery that they did for Mandalorian. They're also doing for WandaVision. That drops this yeah, upcoming week, behind I believe. The scenes. And I think the behind the scenes of how they did this scene of the two visions fighting and then having Paul Bettany do his lines back and forth between them yeah. could be fascinating to see how they pulled that off. Because from what I'd read in his interview, it was, okay, I'm going to do the cuts today as original vision so my stunt man's going to be in the other makeup so that there's at least a body there that i'm facing and they would do which, yeah. the far off stuff and all the close-ups would be betting depending on which vision he was dressed as that day that makes sense yeah because yeah i would think yeah it would be hard as hell as an actor to get into the mindset of both those characters at the same time like how the hell could you do that yeah like but that'd be difficult the way he described it though in this interview you kind of get where he was coming from tongue-in-cheek when he said it but getting to act with someone he'd always wanted to i mean he's literally yeah. acting against himself yeah right which here. is yeah and, something and trying, most actors don't get to do <laughs> yeah and trying to split these two personalities and and pull it off and the way paul bettany does it i think it's quite enjoyable and i like the shift you see in white vision after something let's shift that yeah and the character it, changes and then the way Bettany handles it, the words are far less clipped, things like that. There's actually almost emotion in his voice versus yeah, it's, just it's, monotone robotic. It's really yeah. well done. And I guess here's your spoiler on this. I'm really glad that they've left the door open for Paul Bettany to continue doing work in you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's they, they, they did so much with the resolution of the show that I was actually really happy with it. Like, you know, it's it was, you know, it's also it's an almost hour long finale. Like, you know, they they put in a whole lot of story you know, the whole fight scene and then you get resolution with what happens with Wanda and the West, whatever the fuck town is. Westview. But yeah, Westview. Like, but yeah, it was solid writing. It was entertaining. I don't know why. I mean, people bitch because people bitch on the internet, but like, there's really nothing to bitch about. Like, this was really well done. It moves the MCU forward. It was good storytelling. And hell, you know, she she finally got a costume and her and her code name. <laughs> yeah, the costume she, is pretty cool. She technically has the longest origin story of any character in the MCU because it took five movies and nine episodes well, before she got a code name. <laughs> Vision might have the longest <laughs> because he starts as oh, Jarvis. And then... <laughs> yeah, if you consider his origin as Jarvis as the yeah natural language yeah. UI, I don't know, but still, she had nine TV shows on top of like That's the true. five movies she was in first. So That's yeah, true. <laughs> they both had some really long fucking origin stories. Where Iron Man was, you know, in and out of the cave in the first 45 minutes of his first movie. <laughs> so, Draftsman brought up a comment in the chat room. It's good for us to bring up in context of this WandaVision discussion. He said, you guys are skipping one huge element about WandaVision. The fact that the show addresses the almost radioactive power of the American TV culture has, that American TV culture has on world culture. I watched Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, and Malcolm the Middle. I lost my place there. Once I got to the U.S. and all those beats and jokes land because of TV and reruns are part of world culture. Yeah? yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, American television, it has an effect on the world, which and yeah, good and bad. Because like you said, true. you know, Draftsman's talking about the jokes like this land. But I also know that like um, I can't remember where it was. There was some Polynesian island and they did uh, a bunch of psychological studies and stuff. And um, it was an island that. They didn't get any like uh, Western culture from us until like the late, I want to say it was like the 1960s. And up until the 1960s, there were zero cases of anybody having um, like bulimia or any type of weight disorders in their country until they started getting American magazines oh, and television. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, uh, all of the girls don't look like the girls in the photos and they all started feeling bad about themselves. So, yeah, there are pluses and minuses to Western culture influencing a country. 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something where, yeah, I mean, this show, it was built as a show around the concept of television and it uses that concept really well in the storytelling model that it does with this series. It's like, I mean, people are like, oh, it was a really long movie. No, this was not a movie. If this had been nine straight hours that you could watch in a row, like if you could have binged this the first day, it would have sucked. It would not have worked as well without the downtime. See, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see fleshed out is one of the guys I work with had purposely said, I'm not watching until they're all out. I don't want to go week to week. And myself and another coworker were watching. So I'm really curious on Monday in our little group chat that we have, since we're all telework, to be like, hey, what did you think of WandaVision? And to see how that differs because he watched it all basically in one block, whereas the rest of us did it over nine weeks yeah. to see if that colors his opinion a little differently on what he thinks about the show. He's like, oh, I think such and such went too long because to us, it may not have felt like the first three episodes went too long because they're split out over a week where we're fully immersed in the, immersed in the sick. Whereas to him, that's an hour and 20 minutes basically of, okay, I'm stuck in sitcom world right here. I don't know if I really care for this. It'll yeah, be interesting. Plus, I mean, he, he also, you know, I didn't look up the run times when I was watching the episodes, except the last one. And so it was one of those things where like, you'd be watching it and all of a sudden 28 minutes in it would end. You're like, wait, whoa, fuck. That was a short one. Yep. And then the next one would be like 48 minutes. You're like, oh, okay. That was a much longer episode. So yeah, but if he's sitting down to watch almost you know roughly nine hours of the show, he knows how long it's going to be. Like he's not going to get those abrupt kind of endings that I think they were kind of startling as I was watching the show week to in week. times, yeah. And it'll this also is kind of interesting to look at here now as we know that COVID caused Marvel to shuffle their schedules around, things like that. If you go and look at the original schedule, it was supposed to be Wandavision. Then we'd get like a couple weeks break. Then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So yeah. like this fed. I mean, you can tell as you watch this, it feeds directly into it. But now we've got like a year long where you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Whereas it would have been interesting from a fan perspective. Like, oh, cool. This series just wrapped it. It feeds into the movie. Oh, I got to wait like two, three weeks or whatever until the movie. Yeah. Takes place. I mean, technically we could see one character go off screen in the series and then come on screen in the movie and it would like flow yeah. like, very well. I mean, it's Which, still yeah, going to flow, I think, cool. but it would have been yeah. cool. Because remember, yeah, I think cool, it was yeah. There's no delay. <laughs> it was Falcon and Winter Soldier that was supposed to kick off the Disney Plus shows, but they were doing their reshoots Budapest or Hungary or something like that. Yeah, wherever do they got shut of, down. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they moved to second in release. But well, let's be honest, we're all just going to watch that show because we want to see Baron von Zemo in the purple mask. Like that's all it's about. I want to see Marvel Lethal Weapon. Well, that's, that's what yeah, we're that, getting yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, it is the buddy cop drama of the Marvel Universe. But I don't know, just the idea that they're actually going to pull off the fucking purple mask. For those that don't know, possibly the worst costume in all of Marvel Comics. And it's going to be on screen. And who's getting it? The guy that actually won. The guy that beat the Avengers. The human with no superpowers that destroyed yeah. the Avengers. Like, Thanos lost. Loki lost. Zemo won, bitches. Like, he accomplished what he wanted. The end of the movie is Tony Stark and Robert or, uh, and Steve Rogers beating the dog shit out of each other. Like Zemo won. A <laughs> couple more things before we wrap up on this. Uh, there's there's a guy I follow on Twitter. He, is, he lives in the UK, big fan of movies in general and things like that. And he had an interesting take on Twitter I wanted to bring up. Uh, someone had said, he quote tweeted this first thing. And here's what he said, what the tweet was that he quoted. Marvel fans, 2018, Infinity War is dealing about is about dealing with loss. 2019, Endgame is also about dealing with loss. Spider-Man Far From Home, dealing with loss. 2020, Blessed Silent. 2021, WandaVision, it's dealing about loss too. And you sort of get the rift they're going at there. And I would wager the person that did that's probably yeah, a Snyder Cut stand. We lost 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I would argue that 
that this is someone that probably is more liking the DC movie based off the take they're having here. But I liked the quote that Dan had said around it goes easy and oh so edgy to dunk on Marvel and Marvel fans. But within the confines of a superhero story, WandaVision really does deal with the constant loss in a mature and accessible way. Given how many responded to it, it might have been more important. Yeah. Plus, yeah, as, as it's been known, uh, Disney runs on tears. Yeah. And let's be honest, what makes superheroes? Dead parent. My parents what are makes, dead. What makes Disney movies? Dead parent. Yeah. It's all about loss. Hell, I mean, you got, you know, the amazing spider, the amazing fantasy cover behind you. Spider-Man's dead uncle has caused more great storytelling than almost any dead character in comics. Like, yeah, loss is what superheroes are about. It's their loss, most of them, that defines them. Superman lost a planet. Bruce Wayne lost his parents. Fucking, you know, I guess Wonder Woman didn't really lose anything. She just kind of kicks ass. But I mean, yeah, like the main ones, like, you know, Cap- Captain America lost 70 years and his girlfriend. Iron Man lost, you know, his... uh belief in the world that he was a good guy selling arms and only good guys used his gun and then got disillusioned to what was actually happening in the world with his weapons like it's all about loss like superheroes are about loss and how they deal with it uh oh well we got sp's going off in the chat room (laughs) sp lost chris on the starling tribune see that stargate pioneers origin story his loss of chris (laughs) i stole your chris you can't have him back what you gonna do about it you gonna turn into a superhero or a villain motherfucker (laughs) i don't know i really enjoyed wandavision i i i know people like to dunk on marvel like we talked about that everything deals with loss but like you said superhero movies in general i mean it's why almost every batman movie they have to emphasize or show his parents die yeah, we've seen the Waynes die more than like any anybody else. And hell, even in the new Spider-Man films, we're about to get our third Spider-Man with Tom Holland. We never saw Uncle Ben die this time. They also poorly rewrote the line that he's supposed to drop, but I can forgive that because Tom Holland's fucking perfect as Peter Parker. So I can forgive the fact that they fucked up the responsibility line. But yeah, they, we didn't even get to see this Uncle Ben die, who was apparently supposed to be Martin Sheen this time. Was it? Yeah, it was supposed to be Martin Sheen was married to Marissa Tomei. Like, huh. how how hot is that couple? Damn. Yeah. Well, that would have been fun. I mean, yeah, but at the I, same I, time. and this Yeah, is, to this... see a scene with Tom Holland and Martin Sheen, like, how cool would that have been? I mean, we, we've talked this endlessly, though. It was kind of nice with this Spider-Man not to get the Uncle Ben's dead again yeah. scene because we just gotten it in the two series before that. So it's kind of yeah. nice to be like, we know that it happened. Spider- this takes place after that. Spider-Man's sort of dealing with it. And we can move on from there. But if yeah, you want, it was cool because they kind of jumped into it wasn't his origin story, even though it was an introduction to him to the MCU. It was we're jumping in past his origin movie. Right. It was almost like we missed it. And now we're waiting for Spider-Man Homeboy. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll wrap. We'll put a pin in our discussion on WandaVision here. But if you want more WandaVision talk with people that are going to go full on spoilers and spend probably a good 50, 60 minutes discussing it. If you're watching live on Sunday, March 7th, as we record this. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page on Geeks.Live. The calendar of the upcoming live events is there. And you can see at 6 p.m. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can go watch the new live Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they're going to be going through WandaVision. And they're going to spend a lot more time going through it. And they'll probably go more in-depth than it because they're far more professional on what they cover there. We just geek out, go, oh my god, oh my god, and don't have as much research in. And I know they do put a lot more research in. So... Excuse me, it's at 4 p.m. today is what Stargate Pioneer says. So 4 p.m. Eastern today on March 7th. So you're a little over four hours away. If you want to watch it, head on over to Geeks.Live, check it out. If you didn't have a chance to catch it live, don't worry. It'll be on YouTube and in your podcast soon enough, and you can check it out there. 
That all being said, I think we've talked WandaVision. We've talked about some other stuff we can out over. I think we should start rolling on in to the news. Live from the ATGN studios on uh, the internet, it's the news of the week. Welcome to the news of the week. It's that part of the show where we run down what in our mind, the most interesting and or nerdy news to have popped up and share it with you guys. We're talking Marvel. Let's just continue talking. I'm going to go with my news where first I get. So I think we talked about this. Willie enjoyed the single play a lot. I think Bachman played like 20 minutes of it and hasn't touched it again. Let's talk about Square Enix's Marvel's mm. Avengers. It's been out since. What game? Is that a game? Yeah, well, some people have forgotten. Some people called it <laughs> store value brand Avengers because of how the costumes looked and the skins that you have and un- that you get by default. This and the, oh, we can't make them look anything like the actors, so we're going to create new character models that don't look like anybody, so they just yeah. look like random Joe Schmo Spirit Town Halloween costume. So we should clarify here. Willie really enjoyed the single player. He had a lot of fun with it, he said. Multiplayer has been problematic. We touched on on this show that multiplayer matchmaking was difficult because the player amount numbers kind of just dropped off the cliff they didn't have a ton of people that kept playing it and this is tough for one of these living online games that's kind of a hybrid looter it's not really a shooter but we'll call it a looter shooter action game which you're supposed to keep playing and grind to get your players at level 50 so they're specced out as high as they can keep playing to unlock cool equipment stuff like that i will say i did buy the game recently when it was on sale on gamefly's site for i think 15 bucks i bought it and i bought it and said hey i'm gonna hold on to this until the next gen version comes out because they're doing a free upgrade i believe it drops on march 18th for the xbox series line the playstation 5 which will give you the enhanced visuals things like that But what is also coming on March 18th that kind of has scratching their head is they're going to do some level balancing and things like that. They're going to basically set it up so that a game that's already really grindy to get to level 50, harder to get to level 50. By the time you get to level 25, they're then going to make it harder to gain levels after level 25 because they said, if you look at how the the progression stats worked, it's pretty much just a straight line across. There was never really having to get more XP the higher your your levels went up. So that felt unbalanced like that and why they're taking a game that (laughs) is struggling to get people to play it and making it grindier, for lack of a better term. I don't know if that's actually a real word, but that's what we're going to use here. Is they're going to make it so you have to grind even more on a game that people have been dropping like flies on. And yeah. I'm sitting hey, there. Hey, Willie, remember that game I already don't want to play? They're now giving me another reason to not want to play it. It's it's kind of <laughs> frustrating, though, too. I mean, because I could have started playing this game a month ago when I bought it. But I said, hey, I'm going to wait for the next gen up. So there's probably other people that are in the same boat as me that may yeah. not have bought it at launch, but held off a little bit, then bought it because they wanted to play it on their new console. Well, if you held off to play on the new console, then you get your leveling up slowed a lot. Basically, once you hit level 25, the progression becomes harder and harder. This could also be something that they instantly take back once they do it. Um, no, man. Apex, Apex Legends had the same thing. Um, there was a lot of, you know, a vocal majority of the Apex players that are, you know, Twitch streamers that play the game, you know, five days a week. There's a battle pass. It's 100 levels. It takes a lot of people 80, 90 days to complete it. So it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just doing weekly and daily challenges in the game. But you got these people that you know are Twitch streamers, and so the day the battle pass comes out, they buy all hundred levels, so they have the new gun skins and they have the new charms and they have all of that done. And then there's weekly challenges for them to do, but there's nothing for them to progress on. And then those same people would get online and vocally complain to Apex and Respawn, "Hey, there's nothing for us to do in the game. There's nothing new to work on." 
you know, because it's been two weeks since the Battle Pass came out. We've already finished it. And so they actually looked at it, and I think it was two seasons ago, season six, they came out, and the first the first uh, level to Battle Pass was a bitch. Like, people were making jokes like, hey, I'd gone online, I got a thousand kills today. I can, you know, I won over 40 matches. You know, I, I did 18 knockdowns with a Mozambique all with Gibraltar, and I'm now on Battle Pass level two because they had made it just way more grindy. It was super hard. Like, they, you know, they changed it from an, exp, exp, an XP system to a star system where you earn stars for doing certain things. And the whole idea was to make it to where it was more grindy so that the people that, you know, fly through it, it was going to take them longer. And then they got some feedback because the, like, you know, 87% of their actual player base that aren't those, you know, thousand people on Twitch, the people that come home, you know, and play it two to three days a week after work or maybe only play on Saturdays went, hey, I can't put the fucking hours in that it's going to take me to get through 100 levels if I have to do eight hours of playing just to get through one level. Right. And so the first respawn looked at those numbers and went, oh, shit, we we responded to the wrong people. We need to, like, pull this back a little bit. And they basically pulled it back almost exactly to where it was because the original setup was great for everybody. If you choose to buy all the levels, that's on you. If you choose to grind out the game 40 hours a week as your job, hey, you need to figure out ways to make the game interesting to you because that's not the majority of the player base. The majority of the player base was actually fine with the grind as it was because if you played two or three days a week, you could get it finished. Just like, um, you know, uh, Dead by Daylight with their archive tome. The new one now is like perfectly balanced, which I'll talk about that and what we're getting into where me and the girlfriend are getting the tome levels done basically right before the next one comes out, which is fantastic because in the archive tome for Dead by Daylight, you can't go onto the tier. There's level one, two, three, and four in each tome. You can't go to level two until it opens. It has a lock timer on it, and so you can't play it ahead of time. Yeah. But the old ones, like there was challenges from tome one and two that like I went back and just completed in between archives this time because there were some super hard challenges from before that I never got done just because they were a giant pain in the ass. But yeah, it's trying to find that balancing act. I don't know. the the few With the few numbers of players they already have that already aren't playing this game, I mean, their player base is so small. If you know they instantly see a giant another drop, maybe they'll revert it. Maybe they'll go, know. hey, maybe we should make it an easier grind. So this isn't the best time no. of day to look on Twitch and get an idea of how popular a game is, but... This is when we record, so it's the best way we can look at it. So this is a Saturday afternoon. It's not a bad day. This is a Sunday. Sunday at noon right now. I pulled up on Twitch Marvel's Avengers because when you stream on Twitch, you tag what game you're playing. There are 158 viewers of Marvel's Avengers right now. The number one stream has 61 viewers. The number two has 10. So there are not a lot of people streaming Avengers. And to put those numbers in context, there are 98,000 people watching Apex. There are 162,000 people watching Minecraft. There are 42,000 watching Dead by Daylight. And there are 312,000 people in their streams just chatting. Yeah. Not even playing a game, just talking to their audience. So, I mean, hell, Valheim's in beta, and it has 18,000 viewers. Yeah, so I don't fully understand <laughs> what they're going for here. And they did actually go to Reddit, I guess, on Thursday of this last week to try and give some additional insight. And I still don't 100% understand their thinking here. But this article on Polygon says, The studio said it's changing the grind because players are often leveling two or three times during a single mission, even at higher levels, because the XP wasn't scaling well enough. 
or it was scaling too well, depending on who you asked. In the uh, Reddit post, they said, the problem we were seeing and hearing was that you would immediately get more skill points than you had time to review, apply, and get used to before embarking on the next mission and gaining your next few levels. Hopefully you can see the issue here. But here, here's where it gets more confusing. As they went on throughout this, and I'll just read the article here on Polygon, perhaps making the point even more confusing, Crystal Dynamics also noted that it is changing early leveling in Marvel's Avengers to be even faster than it already was, which would seem to add confusion over skill points rather than reduce it. According to this, Crystal Dynamics said it hopes the new changes will add three to five hours to the act of reaching the level cap. Three to five hours on what, six characters you have to begin with? And then you unlock two additional Hawkeyes with DLC packs. Yeah. The PlayStation's going to get a Spider-Man character at some point in time. So you're going to change the leveling so that if someone hadn't done it yet, it's potentially an extra three to five hours for each of those characters, which would probably be great if you were a streamer and there were a bunch of people who wanted to watch that because you've got something you're going for. But if you're just me, for instance, who wants to sit back and play the game for fun, I look at this and go, oh, there's no way I'm going to keep playing after I finish the campaign. There's absolutely no way because what's the reward in the grind? There's no reward yeah. in the grind. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't there, get just, it. there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. That's that's the problem that gets me. At least with Apex, like I knew why they were doing it when they made the change to their battle pass. Like I don't like who's out there hollering, "Hey, Avengers should be more grindy." I mean, who's out there hollering, oh no, I leveled up too much in the last minute. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever complained about that. Yeah, this is a developer making another bad decision. I, I, I don't know. This is conspiracy theory minded. I don't know if this is just them being able to put the first nail in the coffin to be like, oh, time to start shutting this money sink down because people aren't going to want to keep playing it. <laughs> there you go. They're doing a little self-fulfilling prophecy. Hey, if we make the game harder and harder to play, we could eventually turn the servers off when nobody's yeah. playing it. I mean, I don't think that's actually the case. I think this is a case mostly of they put a game out there that they thought was going to be widely popular. It's the GD Avenger. Everyone wants to be a stuff like that. But when the game came out, it was grindy. It was one dimensional and the online part of it wasn't fun. And they're trying to find ways to fix it and make it better. We already know they're behind on stuff because the Spider-Man DLC was supposed to be out for PS4 slash 5 by now. Mm -hmm. I believe, I think both the Hawkeye DLCs are out now. I'm not 100% sure. I know Kate Bishop is. I think Clint Barton might be coming with this May 18th update. Yeah, it's either now or soon. Yeah, because I, I know I saw a video for it where they had they showed the actual like Clint Barton mm -hmm. in-game action sequences well, i mean if people dissected the code and kind of found out what the upcoming characters were and it's obvious that square enix has huge plans for where they wanted to go with this i just don't know if you're gonna get there now because of the fact that the players have all dropped off i mean we're talking about a game that has been regularly on sale not pre-owned but brand new for anywhere between 25 yeah. to 35 bucks for the past month or that that's kind of an indicator that something is not right there. Like I said, I'm going to play the single player. I want to play the campaign. The campaign, I don't really necessarily have to grind a bunch for. I'll put it on easy. I'll get through the story. Worst scenario. And I'll go, okay, I'm done with this game. And for the 15 bucks I paid, I'm probably fine with that. But just another one of those instances where these online living games, I don't think they quite know what they're doing. And I feel bad for those that were a lot more hyped than I may have been. I played the demo on the new. Ugh, yeah, I shouldn't have paid for it when I did. <laughs> I should have canceled after the demo. I was like, I was like, oh, it's the demo's a little clunky, but they'll fix it. And then, yeah, I started the live action game. I was like, oh, wow, it's just as clunky. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, you also had <laughs> Willie whispering in your ear, like, hey, we can play online together, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a clunky motherfucker. And I'll be honest. Why, why would you spend time playing Avengers, even if it's a game I paid for, when Insomniac just give everybody Ratchet and Clank for free? Right, I did and actually... And Ratchet and Clank is like seven years old, and it's still one of the greatest games on PlayStation 4. 
I did turn my PlayStation back on. It was the first time in God knows when to specifically download that game because it was mad at me because we'd had nice. a power bump. So it had to do its whole, oh, I got to check system memory. Oh, and yeah. Don't forget, you have to turn your PlayStation off this way. And I was like, I didn't turn yeah. it off. It was the power bump. <laughs> yeah, I love that fucking warning message. Hey, if you don't turn this off correctly, when you have an external hard drive, it could ruin it. So, bitch, the power went out. I didn't yeah. turn you off. You know what? Don't my, give me attitude. My Xbox has been turned <laughs> off multiple times because of power outages and stuff like that. And I've had three different external hard drives plugged into yeah. that with no issues ever. That's probably more a legal issue so that if your hard drive gets corrupted, you can't be like, screw you, Sony, I'm suing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, there, there's three new games in the March store for PlayStation and the PlayStation Network. And yeah, if you're not aware, Insomniac, apparently just for the fucking fun of it, and probably you'll raise a little awareness before the new game comes out, they just did the original Ratchet and Clank for PlayStation 4, put it up in the store for free. So you can download it, have a digital copy of it, and play one of the funnest platformers ever. Go get you some grind boots, get you a hoverboard, and get you a big-ass wrench, and go lombax your way around the damn universe. It's and, awesome. And if you have PS Now, one of the free games is the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which yeah. is interesting. I wish, in hindsight, I hadn't paid the money for it just because I started playing it, and I... Final Fantasy VII is not my favorite of the Final Fantasies, so maybe I don't have the same nostalgia that everyone else has. And I went, eh, this is interesting, but I've already played this before. It's just you've changed how combat is. Evidently, yeah. I didn't get far enough into it where there were actually substantial changes to things that went. But yeah, if you're a huge Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII Remake is on there for free on PS Now or yep. Now a lot, but which is really cool. PS right Now has been killing it with the free right games lately. They've been better than the Xbox games with gold. Although yes, games with last gold... Last month was Control. I've been w yeah. looking forward to playing that one. I got that one downloaded. I haven't started it yet. Games with Gold did do Gears of War. Games with Gold did do Gears of War 5 last, last month though, which is a freaking awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's, God, it's the fifth one now? Gears of War 5? Yeah. Are they still fighting the same fucking bugs? Yes and no. <laughs> it's really good, the new Gears game, and it looks gorgeous. It's one of their things that they completely redid a bunch of stuff for the new Xbox launch, and it runs like okay. 4K, 120 frames per second, HDR, Dolby Atmos. It's like the best way to play nice. Gears is on the Xbox, right? And you're like, holy crap, this is gorgeous. Really and, and good. The Gears games have always been gorgeous. I still remember playing the original, like when it came out. Like that game was pretty. It's atmospheric. Like they do really good sound editing and sound quality for those games. And yeah, I mean, they replaced the bayonet on their giant machine guns with a chainsaw. It's fucking genius. <laughs> well, and you can get older guns that have bayonets on them still too, but the uh, the chainsaw gun is more fun because it's yeah. It's why would you gun. not want a chainsaw? Right? You're, you're fighting 300 pound bugs. You want a chainsaw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my news for this week. Let me toss things over to you, sir. Uh, we got some good news. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole uh, Hollywood Reporter article, but it was kind of a cool one where they did an article talking about what they called the resurrection of Kelly Marie Tran. On surviving Star Wars bullying, the pressures of representation, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, for those that don't know, I mean, if you were under a rock, uh, when Kelly Marie Tran came out as Rose Tycho, or not came out, but was presented as Rose Tycho, the basically first leading woman of color in a Star Wars uh, film, not only did, you know, the J.J. fans shit on Ryan Johnson's movie, a lot of them very specifically shit on Rose Tycho and hated the character and went kind of fucking crazy on social media to the point where Kelly Marie Tran, whose Instagram was just fantastic. It was literally someone getting their first big break in Hollywood and her loving every minute of it. 
and sharing that joy with the world. I loved her Twitter post. I loved following her on Instagram. There was literally a story of her like sitting in a restaurant, listening to a bunch of kids, you know, as they say, representation matters, a bunch of kids in a restaurant that looked like her talking about how awesome the character Rose Tycho was because it was the first time they'd seen themselves in Star Wars, not knowing that Kelly Marie Tran was sitting at the table next to them, like, you know, with a hat on or whatever, so they couldn't tell. And then, like, she, you know, was basically crying because of all the kind things these people were saying, and she turned and talked to these kids and, like, had a conversation with them. So, like, they got to meet the hero of the story that, like, they'd been, you know, publicly saying how awesome it was. But, like, she was doing all of that, like, fun, good stuff and just sharing, like, her joy of being part of Star Wars, sharing her joy of, like, you know, getting a good chunk of the Hollywood experience where it was going well. And then social media just shit on her. Every racist, bigoted prick came out of the woodwork and attacked her on her social media platforms. So she left social media. She deleted her Twitter. She deleted her Instagram. She just pulled away from all of it. And it was really sad because literally all she was doing was sharing the joy she felt being part of Star Wars and enjoying her life as an actor. And so, like, it was just awful. And they, um, the, the article has this great part where it starts. It talks about, um, let's see here. Kelly Marie Tran's first recording session for Raya and the Last Dragon involved a leap of faith as the titular warrior princess stood in a booth in Disney Animation's Burbank offices and performed the dialogue, an incantation meant to awaken a mythical creature that could help save the world. The taping went smoothly, but right before the scene wrapped, Tran spoke up and said, hey, actually, would you mind if I try something? She explained to the directors, Don Hall and Carlos, uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada, that if she were in Raya's situation, having extended a gesture of friendship only to invite a world-ending betrayal, she would feel a lot more conflicted, almost chagrined at reaching out with no guarantee anyone would respond. They told her to go for it. And then it says, uh, we really we really need your help, Tran murmurs as Rhea alone in a cave. To be honest, I need your help. I made a mistake. I trusted someone I shouldn't have, and now the world's broken, she said in her trembling words in a near whisper. Uh, Lois Estrada says there were five or six of us in the booth on the other side, and we had tears in our eyes. So she basically took that experience and stuck it in Rhea and used it as part of her voice performance. And apparently it says uh, the final cut features trans own world. Rhea sees the world in this doe eyed idyllic way. And then the world sort of breaks and it changes the way in which she interacts with the world. She says now just before the film's March 5th release on theaters and on Disney plus, that was the way my intro or my way into the character. I've definitely in the past viewed the world through rose cutter glasses. And now I feel like I'm in the back smoking a cigarette saying I've seen things. So yeah, this it's sad, like, this poor girl went through some shit. Like, she's literally an actress that got cast in Star Wars, was loving life, and social media shit on her. And then saw her role diminish down to five minutes of screen time in the next movie. Yeah. Because, yeah. in part, how much people yeah. shit all over her and her character. Yeah, which sucked. But she used that, put it in a new fucking Disney movie, and, you know, the, the article goes on and on about a bunch of other stuff, but I want to switch over to this EW article because this is the part that I really liked. Disney princess actors welcome Kelly Marie Tran into the fold. There's another warrior princess in the mix. Watch sweet messages from Anika Nani Rose, Ming-Na Wen, Paige O'Hara, and Jody Benson. And so it says, uh, Kelly Marie Tran received a warm virtual welcome into the Disney princess family during the remote red carpet event for Rey and the Last Dragon. Anika Nani Rose, the voice of Tiana, Paige O'Hara, uh, Belle. Ming-Na Wen, motherfucking Mulan, and Jody Benson, who is Ariel, recorded messages for Tran that were revealed during the event for the film's premiere on Thursday. And yeah, the one for Ming-Na Wen, like, Kelly Marie Tran, like, almost starts crying. Because uh, Ming-Na Wen said, I'm so happy and excited there's another another princess warrior in the mix. And then uh, O'Hara said, the year you were born, 
was the year I started recording Beauty and the Beast. So I want you to prepare yourself for a very, very long, but a very, very happy ride filled with wonderful experiences and thousands of children dressing up to look just like you. That's awesome. Because Rhea is a badass warrior princess, and she is a Disney princess. So fuck everybody that didn't like Rose Tycho. Kelly Marie Tran is now a Disney princess, you pricks. She's not going away. And the movie's supposed to be... Yeah, and you can't kill Disney princesses. They are a they are a squad of powerful bitches. Like we saw, I mean, what was that last movie where they or where um uh Ralph breaks the internet where they're all hanging out in the room together? Yeah. <laughs> like you can't fuck with those girls. They have been around for shit. Cinderella's been around for a hundred years now. Those are some strong ass women. They are not to be fucked with. And now there's another warrior princess in the mix. So, yeah, it was just so cool to see like the video because yeah, it's it's all the other princesses like welcoming her to the fold. And just the idea that, like, Disney's like, okay, so it didn't work out with Star Wars, but nothing that was wrong was Kelly Marie Tran's fault. Like, she's a great actress. She's a lovely person. Okay, let's try something else. And now she's, you know, the voice of a Disney princess. Fantastic. I'm still not going to drop 30 bucks on it because I'm sorry I paid for three years of Disney+. Plus. Disney, you can kiss my ass. I'm not giving you another $30 to watch a movie at home on a streaming service I own. But once it is available to watch on Disney Plus for free, I will be watching it. There you go. I'm in the exact same boat. I said, this yeah, looks, looks really, really cool. Good. I want to watch it. Yeah. I said, it's not 30 bucks cool enough for me to sit down by myself and watch it. It might be a different story if I had kids and stuff, too. And you're yeah. talking about having three or four people sit down and watch the movie. Because then 30 bucks, you do the math. Like, oh, this would be cheaper than going to the theaters, even if they are open. But yeah. for me, just by myself to watch... 30 bucks is a tough pill to swallow for a rental right now. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's, and you know, like, eventually it's going to be on there for free, which honestly, yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch both the Mulans, because I haven't watched the original Mulan in forever, and I do love Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen's badass. I should note the hypocrisy in what I just said when I'm about to drop $50 on a wrestling pay-per-view tonight to watch <laughs> by myself. <laughs> Especially since occasionally uh, there's there's a few people that like to put the, the AEW wrestling pay-per-views up on YouTube, and... Yeah, sometimes you can just watch the whole yeah, thing. I want to support with my wallet on True. something. I, I would like to support with my wallet, but I work part time at my new job, yeah. and my wallet is kind of thin right now. It's not. It. I don't have AEW pay per view money right now. We'll, we'll touch on that <laughs> one more in a second. But speaking of powerful badass women, before you get to your next story, did you see the set photos that came out of Natalie Portman on set from Thor: Love and Thunder? I'm not. Are those actually her, or is it just her head on Chris Hemsworth's body? Because like, right? Arms she is look so jacked in those she photos. And I looks, was like, she's been working hard. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's been in the gym with fucking Hemsworth. Like she, it the the photos I saw didn't look human. Like it yeah. looked like a Photoshop. I was like, those can't actually be her arms. I mean, the angle's probably but, not great and stuff on behind the scenes set photos, yeah. but. It's obvious. We've seen how the Marvel machine works for helping people get into shape. And Kumail Nanjiani yeah. was the one that kind of said, yeah, look at Kumail, well, boy himself. Like he's still yeah. jacked at home eating his desserts. Like, and bear in mind, big. part of what he said is this only happens because you have people that are paid to yeah. help you do it. And it's not sustainable forever, but evidently the Marvel machine continues to work. And maybe Natalie Portman was working out with Hemsworth because geez, her arms are huge. And that, which to be Thor, the lady version of Thor, her arms are also jacked, and she's too. It she's been putting the work in, and yeah. all the behind the scenes photos with Thor: Love and Thunder so far look really fun. But I was really excited to see our first glimpse of uh, uh, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster on set in the new one. And damn, she is friggin' ripped. Yeah, th- that girl has been in the gym pushing some fucking iron, and like, she she's, she's now a Marvel superhero, a Star Wars queen, 
When's she going to get her Disney movie where she gets to be a queen? <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, she needs to get the trifecta in now, too. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's only Ming-Na Wen, right? And Ming-Na Wen's the only one that's all three. Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney so far. Yeah, that she's I can a Disney of. princess. Yeah, Star Wars assassin. And then, yeah, a Marvel. Uh, I mean, she's a Calvary. Yeah, the Calvary. Yeah. What I'm yeah, hearing those, here yeah. is... Her arms are jacked. <laughs> yeah, I saw those photos. And at first, I'm like, is yeah. that actually Natalie Portman? Or is that like her stunt double? And I, I don't mean that disparaging. It's just because yeah, just, the last time I'd change. seen Natalie Portman, yeah. she was not that jacked. Now, granted, COVID quarantine period, you ain't got much to do besides go to the gym and learn your lines, probably. So I was at first, I thought, is that the stunt person? But then I looked, I'm like, no, that's Natalie Portman. And I was... Yeah, because like... At Comic-Con, when they handed her the hammer, that was Comic-Con two years ago now, right? So, like, yeah. she's had plenty of time to put on weight and get bigger. So, yeah, maybe literally she's just been, you know, on the phone with Crim Hensworth, like, how many chicken breasts do I have to eat each day? How much rice and how much should I be lifting? Well, he Because put... it looks like that's what she's been doing. Hemsworth did build an app that was basically the Hemsworth workout, basically. Yeah. It was, like, him guiding people through workouts and, like, recipes and stuff. Or maybe she went the Hugh Jackman route and called up The Rock and said, hey, I need some help here. Help me plan my uh, my weightlifting. I wouldn't I wouldn't disbelieve either one because yeah, like those photos, like she her arms look huge. As like when fucking Von Dom decided to play Guile in Street Fighter and he added twenty pounds to his arms. It's like what the how did your arms get so big? It's incredible to see how actors transform themselves in that regard. Christian yeah. Bale was notorious for it too because like he did the machine, he the was machinist. tiny and what like eighty pounds, and then put on a yeah. ton of muscle for Batman Begins so much that they said, hey, you might be too ripped for this movie. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I mean, and the director like literally pulled him aside and told him to stop what he was doing on The Machinist because he was literally having like a cup of water with a squeeze of lemon in it a day. Yeah, that was his intake. Like he looked like he was going to die. Th those are the yeah, things that scare me. And I'm kind of glad yeah. we've gotten to the point now with CGI. You potentially don't have to have an actor do that because we did see Robert Downey Jr. in Endgame when Tony's all mm -hmm. emaciated and weird yeah. looking. That's all CGI. Which that, is good because if you look at uh, Dallas Buyers Club and what Matthew McConaughey did to his face, his face has changed permanently because of the weight loss he did for that movie yep. because he lost all the fatty tissue under his eyes. And if you look at him in those like Lincoln Navigator commercials and shit now, he has like these hollow pockets under his eyes because of the, you know, the skin refilled back in and like he looks healthy. But you can tell like there are fat deposits that are never going to go back in his face. Like, it's a permanent change of the way he looks, and it was just for weight loss for a role. That's fucking scary. I mean, why I brought up that CGI look there is if if you're familiar with Jane Foster's story of how she becomes Thor in the comics, Jane yeah. Foster has cancer, basically. And every time she transforms into Thor, it basically removes the chemo from her blood and things like that. So the cancer is running ravaged through, ravaging through her. She's gotten super jacked to play the Thor side of things. In theory, if they are going the route with Jane, yeah. they could use the same kind of CGI and stuff they did like for Robert Downey Jr. and yeah, Endgame yeah, to make her to look Jane, Yeah, we'll yeah. see her, yeah, like with bald and like sunken eye sockets and the thin arms. But yeah, and hopefully we only have to see that for like one or two scenes. They haven't they haven't confirmed. <laughs> this is a little creepy. Yeah, they haven't confirmed that that's the route they're going. But based off of them looking at the Jason Aaron arc so much, yeah, I think it you makes almost sense. have yeah. to go that way. And you could also spin it as some way as the ether left her ill or hurt her or removed from her. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, God asking the chat. Yeah, as far as I know, that's why the Robert Downey Jr.'s face actually changed. Because, yeah, if you watch his progression. McConaughey. Uh, or McConaughey, yeah. yeah. When you watch his progression of his weight gain after Di Dallas Buyers Club, his eyes never fill back in. Because he lost weight for, um, uh, was it True Detective? But he was, you know, a drunk and he was kind of crazy. 
But I remember then after that, he lost even more weight for Dallas Buyers Club. And that was like when he's at the end of the movie and like, you know, it's supposed to be the ravages of AIDS destroying the character's body. McConaughey lost a ton of weight. And from what I've seen of his weight gain past then, like he put the muscle and the body mass back on, but it didn't fill in like the fat pockets in his face. Mm -hmm. We all have, you know, little pockets of fat all over our body. And when you lose that much body mass, your body eats all of your fat reserve. And so it can't, it doesn't refill those unless, you know, it's a normal process of rebuilding your body. And with actors, they're going up and down in weight loss and weight gain so fast that your body, you know, doesn't really handle it that way, which is why they have professionals involved and they have nutritionists and stuff to make sure, you know, they're healthy and it's not going to kill them. Right. But at the same time, yeah, McConaughey's face is different now. If you look at pictures of him, pre Dallas Buyers Club and post even at the same body weight his face looks completely different and so yeah he has I think those those like kind of hollow eye sockets he has are never going to go away because of the way he did his weight loss yeah and it was literally something he did for the role and like as far as I know he did it healthy I didn't hear any warnings where like he was in danger of dying he wasn't like the machinist like Christian Bale where literally doctors told him to stop doing what he was doing McConaughey, like, you know, did it in a controlled environment and was safe, supposedly. But yeah, it changes your body structure. If you lose that much weight, your body can only, you know, slim down so much to where you're not slimming, your body's eating itself. Yep. Because, yeah, if you're not getting any nutrition, your body's going to eat all of its fat storage, and then it's going to eat all your muscle, and then it's just going to keep eating because your body's going to burn calories regardless. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But yeah, he changed the actual structure of his face because of weight loss. Exactly. Sorry, I took us on a tangent there. I apologize because I know you had more news, but I thought that was worthy of a nice tangent. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I finished reading through the Hollywood Reporter article and I, I don't know. the the It's basically just a person bitching that nostalgia has limits. That was like their bottom line catchphrase for the movie review. So I'm not even going to mention the writer and fuck his review. I watched the first half of Coming to America. I rewatched the original. I don't think nostalgia has its limits. I think Eddie Murphy having fun with his friends on camera is a goddamn good time. And if you like the original, I think you'll like the new one. And yeah, it hits on a lot of the same beats. That's the whole fucking point of doing a sequel, jackass. Nostalgia's good. Yeah, that that's why I love The Force Awakens. You know why? Because it's Star Wars A New Hope with new actors. Same fucking story. And I loved it. <laughs> I'm 43. I like nostalgia, sons of bitches. <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine having Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing four roles covered in makeup in a in a barbershop in fucking Queens, New York again. All I needed was that scene. I was good. Like if there was nothing else in the movie, it was just them in the barbershop talking shit. I'd have been fine. But yeah, it's yeah, it's out. It's available. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch the original and you can watch the new sequel. And yeah, I also I love the fact that now both movies are called Coming to America. It's coming to America and coming to America. And yeah, in the article, the, the writer even says that that's like a, not an imaginative title. Are you fucking kidding? It's a perfect title. Unlike the idiots that did Now You See Me and then Now You See Me Too. When we know the fucking sequel should have been called Now You Don't. I wonder if that reviewer liked the title of Fant Forstick, as we call it. <laughs> the Fant Forstick? Yeah. I bet he loved it. Sorry, I I'm, I'm taking a shot there. I, just for shits and giggles. But Poor Josh. Poor Josh. <laughs> hey man, movies, not everyone's going to like. Everyone has different tastes, but... Exactly. But yeah, I would say if you like the original Coming to America, go watch the sequel on Amazon Prime. It is, I mean, yeah, I've only seen the first half of it so far, but yeah, it's really funny. And yeah, motherfucking Tracy Morgan, Wesley Snipes, you got more James Earl Jones. Um, 
I believe one of the actual daughters is played by one of Eddie Murphy's actual daughters. That's cool. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So uh, Bella Murphy is in the movie, daughter of Nicole Mitchell Murphy and Eddie Murphy, and she plays, what was her character's name? Yeah, she plays one of the daughters, Oma. So yeah, you're actually seeing one of Eddie Murphy's kids act with him, and it's awesome because the characters get introduced and like you meet the you know, all the new characters in Zamunda. And like when this character comes on the screen, I'm like, oh, that's his actual daughter. Like you can tell from the facial structure. Like it's so cool. You're seeing a little girl, Eddie Murphy. And I just want to find out if she ends up as an adult being as funny as her dad. Because how fucking crazy would that be if one of Eddie's kids ends up going the same route as him? Right. Like that would be amazing. But yeah. And yeah, I'm going to spoil it. Louis Anderson's in this too. He shows back up and there's a reason for it. And it's great. And yeah. I mean, it's 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 pure nostalgia in the best possible. If you need something good and funny to laugh at, something something you know heartfelt to make your day better, go watch Coming to America. I I I think you'll I think you'll enjoy. Fair enough. You heard it here first, and that's on Amazon Prime, correct? So if you're a yes. Prime subscriber, it's part of that. And I'm assuming that typical Amazon wise, you could just purchase a rental of it too if you didn't have Prime. But I'm not Probably, sure. Probably, yeah, yeah, because I mean, because I only see it in my Prime menu, so I don't know if like you can rent it if you don't have Prime. I'm assuming you can. I'm betting they'd happily take your twenty dollars or whatever. I have no idea what it is, but yeah, I'm assuming yeah, if it's there, that of course you could, because yeah, Amazon's all about your money. That's that's what they're there for. I'm trying to do some Googling, but eh, whatever. Uh-oh. <laughs> you guys can check it out Google yourselves. Poop. I don't have time to do the Googling here. There's too much other stuff going on. Like, start, start, starting to wrap up the show, because looking at the time, we're at that point. So we wrap things up with a segment called What I'm Into. It's our chance to share with you guys who are watching live or listening at a later date just what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting so that maybe just you may want to check them out yourselves uh i'm really boring so i'll go first because i don't really have a ton <laughs> is i've been playing hades on my switch because dear god i love that game and i understand why it won game of the year from a lot of publishers and i don't normally like roguelike games and i really like this i think it's just because there's always story going on every time you die it progresses the story and cool things happen and there's some elements that carry over between every death so that's kind of interesting i have also been uh keeping up with my my wrestling as we put it caught up on aew dynamite i will be buying the revolution pay-per-view this evening making me a hypocrite when i said i wouldn't buy the <laughs> disney movie i fully realized well, but I, I get like four and a half hours of wrestling goodness for my 50 you don't have a tiny child in your house but you do have an over overgrown man child in your house so wrestling it is <laughs> it'll be a wrestling night i mean that card is stacked let's just it is that yeah on. it is it is a hell of a deliciously good looking card and yeah I, if I had the money, I would support them. But I'll be honest, I'll be uh, checking out YouTube tomorrow, looking to see if it gets also, posted. Also, exploding barbed wire deathmatch. That's right. Uh, no, these are the same headphones I've had for a while now, God. They're my, my Audio Technica 40s. Also, I, bought. Been, I don't know what else I've been getting into. It's all kind of just blurred together this last week. It's kind of <laughs> been just watching dumb crap on t and playing Haiti, working on stuff around the house. I'm really in a weird state right now with being pandemic shut down for like a year at this almost. So like, I, I don't really is, know. What's is it going March on. during the pandemic? Always has been. Right. <laughs> it's always been. March. <laughs> I, I had to leave the house on Friday for the first time in ages. I was out for like two hours because I had to take my car to the dealership for the six month maintenance interval, which I had put a whopping 300 miles on my car and then go anywhere right now. And I had a recall that was mandatory. 
And I was like, oh, this shit. is the longest I've been out of the house in forever. And like, I went to the grocery <laughs> store after that too. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I've exercised my, I've been outside around people thing for long enough. I'm going to go back in and hide inside. It gave me a great appreciation for those folks that are not afforded the opportunity to basically lock up in the house all the time because I, I got a bit anxious just out running quick errands and stuff like that when it wasn't crowded out and there weren't around me. I can't imagine being someone's like working the register at Walmart or Kroger or something like that where yeah. this has been your life of having to deal with asshole people around you who don't want to wear masks or ignore science or things like that. They're dealing with that all the time and I, I can't imagine. Like me, yeah, I like was out for a few hours. Jackass like, is on my on my state capitol steps burning mass with their yeah, fucking kids that. idiots yeah I, I for one am really excited by the fact that the johnson and johnson vaccine was signed off on by the fda here in the united states will soon be making its rounds and i am quite looking forward to them shoving a needle in my arm with a vaccine in it that does not mean everything returns to normal immediately or anytime soon but as a step back towards normality where I don't have to be as concerned that I get the COVID and give it to someone else, which has always been my primary concern, or that something terrible would happen because I have bad luck, and that was always a consideration. I'm quite happy after reading up on the vaccines and things like that, that when you go and read the big three that are here in the United States at least, yes, you could still get the coronavirus, but there have been no instances of hospitalization if you have been immunized with it, meaning it is in comparison to what it could be a fairly mild case of the coronavirus, it seems like. So I'm looking forward to them shoving a needle in my arm at some point in time with one of those vaccines in it so we can return to normalcy in some way, shape, or form, or something close to There's not going to be a going back to what it was before. No. And, and you know what? Some of that's not bad. I kind of hope that masks carry around come flu season where if someone's got a head cold or something you want to go to the store put a mask so that you don't put other people yeah. at risk it's something I like the you Japanese see a lot culture where yeah. if you're sick and you go out in public you wear a mask like right they, they consider it can you know just being concerned for your fellow citizens if you're sick why are you not covering your fucking face right and this is something i hope will carry over but based off the state i live in i know won't be the case but i will tell you all this is that even let's say a year from now when we're out of the pandemic we've returned to whatever the new normal is if i've got a cold or something like that and i've got to go to the store i'll wear a mask i mean i hadn't really considered it before maybe it's because i was just the asshole american who wasn't considering it from other perspectives but now that we've gone through this and we've kind of educated ourselves a bit more on how that stuff works yeah, who cares? Okay, look at me a little weird. At least you're not going to get whatever bug I have going to the store or something like that. Because not everyone's afforded the luxury to be like, I feel sick. I can't go to the store. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to that. And for If you're someone who's listening to this show, who's working in retail or the service industry, and you've been going out and working your regular shifts eight, ten hours a day or whatnot around a ton of people, man, my hat's off to you. I I, I had a hard time going out for just a few hours without being i'm ready to be inside my skin feels like it's crawling and i don't know what the hell's going on and maybe it's something that gets better with time you get used to if you're having to do it all just yeah, kudos to those folks you guys are doing the work and, and how cool was it that dolly parton got vaccinated with the vaccine that she helped fund i know right how fucking awesome is that lady as if she hasn't done enough for humanity already and speaking of which she actually got uh she got a kind of a surprise cameo in dead by daylight <laughs> yeah and as sp brings up in the chat room she did wait her turn also and she made a point yeah. of saying that she was going to wait her turn yeah because yeah if people don't know she's also like 102 
Like yeah. <laughs> Dolly's been around being awesome for forever. <laughs> so she is in one of the the at risk age categories. Well, I, yeah, I, I, was, I should be getting my appointment next month sometime. I was happy that my dad just got, should have just gotten the second one shot this last week. But however, my mom, who's six months younger than him, still hasn't gotten either either the first or the follow up one yet. So it's interesting. And if we go into local politics, it's annoying that the county I live in got punished because they were too good at vaccinating. So they took half our allotment away to give it to counties that weren't doing it is efficient because their numbers weren't as good Lovely. so we went from getting 1600 a week to 800 shots to give out you know the county in which the uh university west virginia university saying, resides, college is? which has yeah. you know a lot of all that our professors are working at a bunch of retirement communities here now that i think they've got most of these senior folks still I say hopefully it was really frustrating from my point of view to read oh you're taking half of our allotment away because they've been too good at giving them out to people and there's other counties that have not been as efficient and their numbers are down yeah that's, that's shitty. kind of shit and then we had people coming from other counties to our county to get their vaccine because they couldn't get them in their own so i was like people that live in montegalia county can't get them but you're going to give them the people that travel from outside montegalia county yeah i don't know doesn't make sense yeah our state politics when it comes to this are crazy and nobody cares on this show i apologize i shouldn't be going down <laughs> this path but it's really weird my, my hope for is anyone watching this listening to it that when you get the chance to go and get the vaccine go let them shove a needle in your arm science man science shows oh. that this is the safest no. most effective way for us to begin returning to a state of normalcy you know when we can go to a movie theater and see black widow or we can go to a movie theater and see doctor strange or any of these other movies that should be coming out that we have been pushing off for years at a time please please no. please help your fellow man go get vaccinated so that we can start cutting this down and start returning to whatever the new normalcy will be and i'm going to get off my soapbox and toss <laughs> things over to you bachman and say what you've been getting into well as someone that has a uh, actual lung damage and breathing problems from my time in the military i'm actually waiting for the va to give me my call back because i'm on the list to get my vaccine uh though of course they did the 75 and up was the categories of the va the, apparently everybody above 75 has gotten theirs awesome. and they're working on the 65 to 70 group, which is the majority of veterans in the area. And so they're still getting through that group and having trouble apparently like just getting them all in because of course it's also the question of getting them all into the VA safely yep. because you can't just have 10,000 people show up at the hospital hanging out in a waiting room when they're all the fucking people that are the most at risk, especially the majority of them are veterans. Like they're, a lot of them are already physically damaged in the fucking first place because they've been through some shit. So, yeah, we're waiting for the it's literally it's three categories for the VA. It's 75 and above, 65 to 75 and then 65 and below because the 65 to 75 category is so big that it's as big as the 65 and below category. So, yeah, we're waiting for that group to be done. And then supposedly I'm going to get the call and I'll get my back. Um, But, yeah, they did. Um, Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Dolly Parton has a very specific guitar. And that guitar has been released as a cosmetic on the back of Kate Denson in Dead by Daylight because they just did a That's rockabilly cool. uh, collection of outfits that was released on uh, Friday, I think, uh, which my girlfriend promptly bought. Because she likes dressing up her chicken nuggies, and that's one of her favorite thing is putting costumes on them. And I think she's—I mean, she already has more hours in the game than me, but I know she has more cosmetics than me now. It's—it's it's ridiculous. She buys them all. But yeah, you—you want to look at cool stuff while you're playing characters, and as a survivor, you get to look at your character. So yeah, they did a, a rockabilly collection, and yeah, the the Kate Denson rockabilly outfit is uh, in the in the lore of the game. Kate Denson is a guitar player and they actually give her Dolly's guitar. So like, it's really cool looking because it's a very specific look for an acoustic guitar. But yeah. 
Dolly Parton's in Dead by Daylight, y'all. <laughs> like, That's how fucking awesome. crazy is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we did uh, this week. Um, I completed uh, level two of the new tome archive. Uh, the archive is the Dead by Daylight version of a battle pass. Um, level two opened up about, a, I think it was about two Tuesdays ago. And so I've been working on the challenges in that one. There was a couple of them that were kind of a pain in the ass, which I actually tweeted one of them at Behavior. Um, it was literally one where you had to get yourself up off the ground from the dying state or you had to get somebody else out of the dying state, which can't happen if the killer plays the game normally. Um, in Dead by Daylight, each survivor can be hit twice before they go to the ground. You hit them once, they're injured. You hit them a second time, they fall down. After they fall down as a killer, you pick them up, put them on a hook. You eventually have to hook somebody three times to kill them. That's the whole point of the game. So this challenge where you have to get other people up off the ground doesn't work unless the killers slug people and walk away. So the killer has to knock somebody down and then leave them. So it was a really annoying challenge because it's basically a challenge designed to say, hey, do you want to play the game normally? Well, don't. Because if you play the game the way you're supposed to, nobody can get this challenge done. And so I've honestly been doing matches at Killer where I've been going in, like knocking the first person down, hooking them. And then after that, because, you know, you get the bonus blood points for getting a hook. But then after that, I've been going around and just knocking people down on the ground and then leaving them, just slugging them. Because I know other people trying to do this challenge, it's a giant pain in the ass. So I've literally had matches where I haven't killed anybody. I've just been running around knocking people on the ground and I leave them. Because I know people are having trouble getting this challenge done and I'm actually trying to be helpful as a killer. But yeah, it's got that one done finally. And then uh, the second to last killer one was a nurse one where you had to teleport and then teleport again and then hit somebody and then do that twice in one match and get two double teleport hits, which is very hard to do because you're basically trying to aim where a character's going to go, and you can't tell where she's going to land as you teleport forward, and she's the slowest killer in the game. So those two challenges combined were basically my last like three nights of gameplay. Like That was the things I was working on, but got those done, and level two is finished. And so this is the first time in a tome where like it feels very balanced, where if I'm playing the game basically every night, every day... Like, I have the challenges all finished and the level complete, and the new level doesn't, level three doesn't open yet. So, I literally have everything current on the tome. So, it, 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 it's nice because it feels like they finally hit that balance where, like, those, a couple of those challenges were really fucking hard. And I know people are having trouble doing them because I see complaints, you know, on the Reddit and on the Twitter and in the forums for Dead by Daylight. But, like, the fact that I got them all done. And like I'm waiting now for level three to open so I can go back and work on old challenges. I can go do other things and work on dailies and other stuff. So like it's awesome. I think like Dead by Daylight's done a really good job. Behavior has finally like found the balance of where they need on the on the archive and on the tome. The the hundred thousand other bugs and problems in the game I'm not gonna talk about right now, but there you <laughs> know, they just put out another patch. There's still some buggy weird shit that they're working on it. So hey, hopefully, you know, the upside is it's a game in development. That's still making money, so they just keep getting better. They keep fixing stuff. The game's going forward, and also, yeah, this release uh, this week they released um, the hashtag All Kill is going to be the new um, DLC package, which is a new killer, new survivor. It is an actual K-pop star who basically went insane and murdered his K-pop band, and then the survivor is his producer who like was along for the ride and then realized like things were going crazy. Um, it's a guy called the trickster who wears like a neon yellow jacket and throws knives kind of the way the huntress throws hatchets in the game. And he has like some, some pretty cool perks, a very weird power where you you're using little tiny throwing knives. Like they're, you know, like little tiny suckers. And so you have to hit a survivor with like eight of them before the survivor falls down. So unlike the main 
attack where he has like a baseball bat with a blade on it. If he hits you with that once, you're hurt. He hits you with that a second time, you fall down. But as he's throwing the knives, like it, it builds up damage basically. And then if you get away from him before you fall down, like the damage slowly decreases. So it's a very it's a very different change to uh, any type of killer build. But it's you know a kind of version of a huntress. It's another long range you know killer that's not all melee. So you know there's been a whole bunch of complaining online. Some other people like it. A whole bunch of people are really interested in how the character looks. And the character's looks have been described quite a bit on uh, behaviors, uh, tweets, and stuff. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm actually more interested in the perks on this one. Um, it's just it's a it's a weird aesthetic looking. It's a it's basically like they redid the the intro uh, to the uh, the gameplay um, the the mo- the main home screen, and it's like a neon alleyway in like a Chinatown setting. And so it's a really cool look, but it's a very different look for behavior and for Dead by Daylight. So a bunch of people, I think, are flipping about that because it's just very different looking. It's a very different aesthetic. It's literally a K-pop star as a killer. That doesn't really you know, seem to fit side by side with pseudo Jason and you know the hillbilly and Bubba and Freddy the way some people think. And so some people are complaining, but hell, I went on, you know, I tried a couple of matches with them, tried a couple of matches with the Survivor, had some fun with it. I think people are going to be able to make some cool builds with the new perks because there's some cool abilities. And so it'll be fun to see how that changes the meta of the game. But then, yeah, other than that, yeah, I watched um, uh, Outside the Wire, uh, the new Netflix movie with uh, Anthony Mackie in it where he's like a cyborg Ooh. over fighting in, um, I think it's Croatia or somewhere. Somewhere in Russia or somewhere in what used to be Russia. Uh, kind of a you know a cool movie. It's got some some weird concepts about how, you know, using AI and using robots in, in war and how that can change like the American war machine. And how there could be, you know, very good and also very bad if we take the humanity out of war for sending machines to do all the work. And, of course, it has to do, uh, the movie also has to do with a drone pilot because, of course, sending drones over and bombing people is kind of a thing a lot of people want to talk about right now. But, yeah, pretty solid movie. It was, you know, it was very interesting. Some of the, the things they kick on or they touch on is really cool. Um, great action sequences. Anthony Mackie, it just looks like this was some of his warm-up to stay in shape for Falcon and the Winter Soldier was he went and did this movie where he's, you know, a badass cyborg soldier. And so that was really cool. Um, I think pretty much that's most of it. And yeah, looking forward to uh, Apex has the new town takeover. It's going to be Caustic's town takeover. Water treatment is turning into Caustic treatment. They're doing some big changes to some characters. Some characters got buffed. Some characters got nerfed. Like everything, they're trying to balance, you know, like all games out there. And then, uh, yeah, you know, finished. Um, I finally finished Miles. So I'm done with the two Spider-Man games. Um, I haven't started my new game plus yet, but I will be because, yeah, it was fun as fuck. The story in Miles is solid. Even if you just rock through it on easy, it's such a fun game to play. The story line itself is worth playing because, as we said, Insomniac Games is awesome. They're fantastic. And if you're not aware of that, they just put Ratchet and Clank up on PlayStation for free. So go give it a shot. If you got PlayStation Network, you can go get one of the best platformers ever made which is their Ratchet and Clank for PlayStation 4, and just enjoy the hell out of some good comedy and a funny-ass Lombax and his little robot friend Clank. And yeah, Insomniac Games is great, so I'm I'm excited to see what they do with the next Spider-Man game. Because we have Spider-Man and we have Miles Morales, I'm wondering if we're going to get a third one. I, I, w- I would shit myself if we got like an Into the Spider-Verse Gwen Stacy game. I was That's just about to say that. Give me yeah. Spider-Gwen. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Gwen or Spider-Woman, don't fucking call her Ghost Spider. I fucking hate that name, and Marvel is wrong about every bullshit reason they give for giving her that name. At one point in the comics, we had three people called Spider-Man. 
fucking Peter Parker was Spider-Man, Miles Morales was Spider-Man, and fucking Doc Ock was Spider-Man. And yet they're like, oh, well, Gwen can't be Spider-Woman because we already have another character who's retired, raising a baby, and not a current superhero that's called Spider-Woman. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? So you're going to call her Ghost Spider. Miles literally turns invisible, but we're going to call Gwen Ghost Spider. Are you fucking kidding me? It was Logic, man. Sometimes it goes yeah. out the window. Sometimes it misses. But yeah, uh, also, uh, if you can see it on camera, there's this nice little spot on my nose where Friday at work, uh, I basically ran into a box. So yeah, I, I bashed myself <laughs> in the face with a giant box of tea, uh, went to go swing it up on a wall, and I was closer to the wall of boxes I had built than I thought. And so as I swung it up, I basically smacked myself right in the face with it. So yeah, so I got a, I got a nice little uh, ding on my nose to start my weekend off. But yeah, still still uh, you know enjoying some of the aspects of my job. <laughs> still working for UPS, but yeah, even when it's kicking my ass. And hey, I got to work Friday. You know, we've had a low volume after the holidays, so like the last two Fridays, people got called out and didn't get to come into work at all. So I'm just happy I got to fucking work on Friday. There you go. Yeah, it's still part time, and hey. Uh, UPS was also one of those companies that decided to not wait for Congress, and we all got a pay raise. We had all been hired at fourteen fifty, and now, as far as I know, everybody working at UPS is making fifteen dollars an hour or more. So Very nice. I got a bump to fifteen bucks an hour, so I'm definitely happy about that. And yeah, other than that, yeah, just you know, randomly sitting around reading a bunch of comic books. I'm still working my way through the Valiant comics on the Comicsology app. I'm now three trades into uh, Archer and Armstrong. Uh, which, yeah, these are like the early 2000s relaunch of Valiant that I'm reading. I went through all the Bloodshot trades already. I'm now doing Archer and Armstrong, and they're all on the Comixology app. So like, they added like eight or nine trades for each book. So eventually I'll get to Eternal Warrior and then Ninjak and Exo Manowar. I'm going to read through all of them. And yeah, they've just been a blast so far. Archer and Armstrong, I had never really given that book like a good look any of the like previous times Valiant had launched. And that book is so fucking funny. Like it's got some weird shit right now. They're they're sucking. What it's a land called like the Far Away. It's like their version of the Savage Land. And there's a weird ass crazy general from the military named uh, General Redacted, who's this <laughs> insane guy running a UFO force of little little gray aliens and UFOs attacking um, the Native Americans that were in the Roanoke colony that got shoved into this place like by the Bermuda Triangle. It's so fucking weird. And like just yeah, it's just full of craziness. But yeah, really fun comic, really enjoyable. And like after having read all the bloodshot ones, which you know were ultra violent and super bloody, which of course is bloodshot. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, this one is like it's it's such a uh, like a refreshing just comedy take on like, you know, crazy superhero adventure type things. It's just a really fun book. So yeah, I'm enjoying that and then yeah, just rocking through the comicsology app. Um, if yeah, if there's any book you've ever wanted to try I think it's six, seven bucks a month. The Comixology app gives you access for a month to like, it's some ridiculous number, like 30, 40,000 comics. And so, I mean, you know, use your local libraries. Local libraries are great. A lot of people don't realize that most local libraries now have a, a graphic novel section in the adult book section and usually in the kids section. So you can go get, you know, graphic novels like Scalp and Sandman, stuff that's written for adults. And you can also go get Spider-Man and Green Lantern and Justice League stuff for written for kids. And most libraries now have those. But yeah, if you've got the bucks to spend, try the Comixology app for a month. It's fantastic. I've read so many books this month. It would have cost me, I probably read $500, book, $500 worth of books already this month. Like, it's insane. Yeah. 
And the nice thing is you can turn it back on a few months later when they refresh and add more stuff yeah. into the back catalog. You're like, exactly. oh, I wanted to read that. And you can borrow, you can borrow because you borrow on the app just like a library one. So you can borrow up to 50 books at a time. Not bad. So you can literally borrow a six, you know, a series of like six books, download them all, and just sit there and burn through them and then turn them all back in and just go download six more. Yeah, Very it's a fantastic nice. app. Well, that being said, we are going to start wrapping this thing up. A friendly reminder, we do stream this show live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central over at www.geeks.live. That is the official streaming home of the Gonna Geek Network. Uh, I think we mentioned earlier in the show, if you want to watch more live content today at 4 p.m. as we record this on March 7th, you can go to geeks.live, catch the Legends, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. review of Episode 9, the season finale of WandaVision. They will go into tons more details compared to what we'll deep get into. spoilers. Yeah, they'll go into the deep spoilers of things with a lot more <laughs> analysis. We're just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, this is so cool. We're at that phase right now. Maybe next week we can deep dive more, but that's the place to go for your deep dives. And friendly reminder, Willie Nelson returns next week for another installment protected advice with Willie D. Nelson. If you want advice from the one and only Willie Nelson, our one, yeah. you can send that Careful. to me on Twitter, Careful. in our uh, Discord channel at Discord, any of those places. I will keep it anonymous as well. And Willie will provide <laughs> SP. Damn, I was hoping Willie was caught in some sort of Mexican jail. He's in North Carolina we don't right know. now. So we don't know. I mean, he back yet. maybe he got bored and went to Tijuana. Who knows? We don't know how his weekend is going to turn out. With Willie, you never know how the weekend is going to turn out. To be out. fair, I haven't tried texting him to because be I kind of wanted to save his stories for what happened <laughs> for when he comes back as show. Because I'm sure there's going to be something absolutely ridiculous that happens. Let's be honest. Anytime Willie goes off to have a wild weekend, Mexican jail is always an option. There's, you can't 100% say that there's no chance he doesn't end up in a Mexican jail. He might be in a Mexican jail right now. We don't know. If he is, <laughs> SP can come back next week and get called it. There you go. If, if if he is, I think if SP called it, SP has to bail him out. <laughs> nobody, ain't nobody got bail money like that. <laughs> We're in the middle yeah, of a pandemic. Mexican jail. Like We're in a pandemic. Man, it's like, like 10,000 pesos. It's like $20. Mm, I mean, you how, can I, afford that. how am I going to get past the wall to get there? The wall you can climb <laughs> through? I'm just kidding. Over? I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Down. That's yeah. as close to a politics <laughs> joke as we're going to get on this show. I just wanted to make fun of a wall because it made me smile. Uh, is there anything else we had before we shut this thing down? I can't. I'm struggling to think yeah, of anything. I think that's it. it. It is March now, so yeah, we've already we're starting March Amazon Prime off with Coming to America, and we'll be ending March Amazon Prime March 26th when I will be doing nothing but watching invincible motherfucker they released the new another trailer and this one i thought was funny they didn't put with the voice of michael dorn they put a sequence where they show battle beast and it says with the voice of wharf appropriate so they didn't they referenced him as his character not as the actor which i find very strange how often can one show reference a character from another show in the advertising i just i don't i don't remember star trek the next generation saying with sam from quantum leap like it, it didn't say that. It said with Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting too because I w I wager that uh, Paramount CBS is not owned yes. in any way, shape, or form by Amazon to make by that Amazon, happen, or at least not yet. At least not yet. Yeah, it was. It was when I saw it. I'm like, wait, they didn't say Michael Dorn. They said with the voice of Worf. That's hilarious. Like that is so strange. Yeah. Oh, Battle Beast, man. We're getting live act or not live. 
We're getting uh, animated Battle Beast with the voice of Michael Dorn. I can't wait for y'all motherfuckers to see what Battle Beast is all about. Such a good care. Such a good care. And as SP points out, Paramount Plus does get the series. Oh, yeah. And the new Halo series, yeah. If you hadn't seen it yet, there were set photos last week that came out of the Warthog on set. And some of oh, the nice. guys in uh, not Master, not Spartan armor, but just regular trooper armor. It looked pretty cool. Okay. The, the uh, Warthog looked like straight out of the game i was like oh, that's awesome nice. looking. i mean probably only gets like a quarter mile per gallon or something like that but... <laughs> yeah no shit that is a gas guzzler right there i remember driving that truck <laughs> it's true it is the question is what do we get first the halo series or halo infinite halo infinite mm-hmm. was supposed to come out in november and they delayed it until sometime in 2021 i, I got want my money it. on series series dates tend to actually stick better than game dates but on that note i think we are going to <laughs> shut things down and say thank you so much to everyone join us please come back next week for another installment of the all things good and nerdy show and all sorts of other wacky hijinks and shenanigans bye guys thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the all things good and nerdy podcast don't forget we'll be back next sunday live at 11 a.m eastern 10 a.m central over at live.atgnpodcast.com channel three of the off geek radio app and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us at atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.